The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. What's up, PTV Nation? How's everyone enjoying the football? Welcome back. It is Sunday night, and you are here with me, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. We just re- uh, we just finished round 13 of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying the octagonal. It has just concluded. I'm still looking at, at some updates here. And uh, it, like I said, it just concluded. What a day of action. Um if you took my betting advice earlier today, uh, listen, I only hit on one out of five five uh, picks. So this was a tough day for me with the bookie. Um, I So close to hitting on just about all of them too. But uh, what a day though. What a day for Canada. Congratulations to the Canadian men's national team for the first time in 36 years if i'm not mistaken 36 years for the first time canada is headed to the world cup and they deserve it they're going to win this group um it's out of question now they there's no longer any doubt canada will be the concacaf winners of this octagonal final and uh they did it in style today of course i thought that taking the under on two and a half goals was going to be enough but uh Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, DJ Hoylett had had other ideas, and he spoiled that eight minutes from time. But congratulations to Canada to advance. United States also looking fantastic right now. Uh, it's going to take a six-goal defeat in Costa Rica later this week to stop the United States from going to Qatar. It's basic. It's in the bag. Let Let's be honest. It is in the bag now. The United States is going to the World Cup. So USA fans, stop complaining. Stop getting paranoid. Stop worrying. You are going to the World Cup. And there's a lot of nations out there that can't say that. I know Greg Berhalter's got his haters out there. There's lots of haters for Greg Berhalter. The internet is just a a minefield of Greg Berhalter haters. And listen, this man did what he said he was going to do. He took the time to build the nucleus, to build the team, to build a system of play to get them ready to play in World Cup qualifying, to get them ready for this octagonal. And when push came to shove, when it counted most, yes, there's still one match to play. But listen, only two defeats right now. Only two defeats through 13 matches. What a change from just, you know, from the last cycle. 
which was now five years ago. What a change for the United States, uh, picking up points in Mexico, okay? Picking up a win in San Pedro Sula, getting points in El Salvador. They got a draw. that, And we were upset about that, and rightfully so. Only loss on... Only losses in this World Cup qualifying cycle were on the road at Panama, and we made up for that tonight, and on the road at Canada, who win the group. Really not too much that U.S. fans can complain about right now. You can talk all you want about possession. You can talk all about the dynamics and, and how there isn't uh, you know, there there isn't the type of ball movement you want, the type of whatever, but at the end of the day, the United States of America is going to go to the World Cup barring a six-goal loss on, I believe it's Wednesday, in San Jose in Costa Rica. Costa Rica tonight keeps their hopes alive as well. Uh, I had them to draw. They they managed to hang on. Uh, El Salvador was, was inches from drawing it level in stoppage time, and that would have put the United States in, but uh, unable to do it. Uh, good effort though uh, by El Salvador, but in the end, of, in the end, you know the Ticos are still alive and they're looking good to get that fourth place. Panama, adios, Mexico, Mexico survive. Oh, L three was close as well. It took an own goal tonight, an own goal in San Pedro Sula uh, for Mexico to beat Honduras. Honduras, you know, in the first half were with were there. Uh, Honduras were shutting them down. I had I tried to keep my eye on both games, but in the first half I was watching the United States tonight. Second half I was paying a little bit more attention to Mexico because that game was a lot more interesting at that point with the United States getting a big lead in the first half. But looking at it, you know, um, in the first half, even Andreas Cantor, the famous commentator, now with Telemundo, he tweeted out, you know, in Spanish, but I understood it. I was able to read it, and he just said that uh, against the worst team in CONCACAF or in this division, in this uh, octagonal, Mexico was unable to create uh, opportunities. They did better in the second half. Mexico did do better in the second half. But at the end of the day, I mean, they real this team is struggling to put the ball in the goal. I don't know who is going to score goals for this Mexico team. Um, they look like they're either going to go to the playoff or they're going to go to the World Cup, depending on what happens in their match coming up and what happens with the United States. Uh, on Wednesday night when we get to the, the final night of this octagonal, 14, round 14. But today, we're going to talk all about round 13. Okay, I am going to bring up the results here on my screen um, so that we can walk through it here. And let's take a look. Again, we said it was a, it was a big game, right, in Toronto. Uh, we're going to start in Toronto today, uh, Canada taking on Jamaica. I said 3-0. It was a 4-0 result. Um, an own goal late. Uh, an own goal late for Jamaica made that a 4-0 result, ending the 36-year absence from the World Cup. And I'm going to pull that up right now. And we're going to take a look at the starting lineups for both teams in that one. We're going to start there. Then we're going to work to the, the U.S. match. But the lineups here. Um, so Canada goes... Goes with Borhan in goal. They're playing 4-2-3-1. Uh, Borhan's in goal. Richie Larea gets the start at right back today. The center backs are... We got... We got Henry and we got Kennedy. Uh, Steven Vittoria missing today. Uh, he was in street clothes on, on the bench before uh, during the match. Not dressed. I'm assuming he had a yellow card, uh, a yellow card suspension. And that's why he 
wasn't playing. And then you got Ad Kubai uh, as the right back. DJ Hoylet in midfield partnering with uh, Porto's Steven Ostakio. Ostakio was fantastic today. I have to give credit where credit's due. Stefan Ostakio was one of the best players on the pitch today. Uh, his assist to Kyle Laren early just set the tone. And uh, it basically told Jamaica, who didn't want to be there, it was 24 degrees Fahrenheit in Toronto for this match. Jamaica not comfortable at all in those in those uh, conditions. And, you know, St uh, Steven Ostakio sets up, sets up Kyle Aaron on that first goal. Kyle Aaron gets the start as the attacking left-sided midfielder. Jonathan Osorio in the middle and Tejon Buchanan down the right in that attacking uh, midfield three behind the striker, the Lille striker, the one of the best players in, in league on oh, the golden boot candidate. Once again, Jonathan David uh, Jamaica plays in a three, four, three Andre Blake is the goalkeeper. You got King Mariapa and Lee across the back while Brown Williams, Morrison and Thomas play uh, across the four in midfield. Behind the three strikers, Bygrave, Green, and Nelson. So, noticeable by his absence, obviously, is West Ham's Mikel Antonio. Maybe the best player, at least best forward in CONCACAF. If it's not Jonathan De uh, David, it is Mikel Antonio. But he was not, not available for this one. Um, like we said, right off the bat, Canada set the tone. 13 minutes and Kyle Lahren scores. On a beautiful, beautiful through ball from Steven Ostakio. And, uh, you know, Canada takes the lead early. And then, again, uh, off a set piece, the ball is brought in on a cross in the 44th minute. It falls to the feet of Tejon Buchanan and the former New England Revolution player. Finds the back of the net from short range. He, find, he, he, drifted, he drifted from the center towards the left. Found himself at the far post. Opened the ball, dropped at his feet. Looks up, sees the sees the space to finish, and he puts it past Andre Blake, the Philadelphia Union goalkeeper representing Jamaica here. And Canada go into the halftime up 2-0. Um, I was liking this. Like I said, if you saw my video on BTV uh, earlier this morning, you saw me say to take the, the under on this one. I thought this game was going to be 2-0. I just seemed to have 2-0 written all over for me. But in the end, it didn't. It didn't. Um, didn't come out that way because, well, I think Jamaica kind of gave up a little bit towards the end. We get some substitutes in the second half. Jamaica sends on Tarek uh, Shimmies for uh, Javon Brown. They send on Lamar Walker for Nicholas Nelson, and Alex Marshall replaces Ricardo Thomas. That was between the 46th and 56th minute of the second half. And then um, to hold the result, and this is when I thought I thought the 2-0 was done, dusted. You know, um, Canada sends on the veteran Atiba Hutchinson, uh, Besiktas, one of the great, great players in Canadian history. And really, uh, like, someone you have to be so happy for right now. This is somebody I am incredibly happy for. Um, this is a player who's in his late 30s, has been a fantastic professional for two decades now, playing in Europe, playing at Besiktas. Before that, playing at Copenhagen. You know, he's played in a few other clubs around Europe. Very, very talented, solid, professional, great player. He comes on. He's finally going to go to the World Cup in November. And, you know, in the tail end of his career, he fulfills the ultimate dream of any player to go and represent your country at the World Cup. He's, of course, uh, 
one of the leaders of this team as as one of the the uh, veterans. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson replaces Donnell Henry, while Lucas Cavallini replaces Kyle Lahren, and Alistair Johnson replaces Richie Larray. A little bit of squad rotation. Um, even though Canada knows they're through, they they do still have a match to play, so they have to keep guys healthy. Plus, they got to return these guys to their clubs, whether it's in North America here in the early part of the season in Major League Soccer, or if they go, you know, fighting towards the finish line in Europe. Um, a lot of team, a lot of players here fighting for promotion spots, fighting for European spots, fighting to stave off relegation. Their club teams need them, and you know, uh, the manager is taking care of that. And he is he is taking care of these guys, getting them rotated and letting some minutes go to some other players. It was good to see Lucas Cavallini come in. He hasn't played a lot in this in this World Cup qualifying. But, of course, as a striker on a team that already features uh, that already features Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren, it's 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 going to be tough to get minutes on a squad like that. This is a good Canada team. No doubt about it. Um, in the 70th minute, two more substitutions are made by Canada. Liam Frazier replaces Stephen Oshtakiu, and Kamal Miller replaces Jonathan Osorio. And Junior Hoylet uh, will, at the 83rd minute, kill my bet, and he will cost me cost me my unit there as uh, he makes a very nice goal. And after Andre Blake had made a couple of nice saves to keep the game at 2-0, Hoylet gets gets into the box in a scramble. It's coming off of a corner kick that gets cleared poorly. Falls to him. Uh, mad rush of people in front of in front of Andre Blake. He is having a hard time seeing it. And in what looked like a toe poke <laughs> to the far post, there was just no chance for Blake to react quick enough. Uh, Hoylet puts it in the far post. Canada go up three nil. It's it's done and dusted at that point. The fans are celebrating. They know it's coming at BMO Field. They wanted it to be done today in front of their fans, um, with snow whipping around during the match too. I mean, the snow was in the air the most of the match. It, there was one section of the field where you could see it pile up just a little bit. Um, it did affect the the speed of play a little bit. But in the closing moments, Adrian Mariapa puts an own goal into his own obviously into his own goal uh, on a ball that was played across and really looked like Andre Blake was going to have a very easy time coming out and just scooping it up. But in an attempt to clear it away, Adrian Mariapa puts it into the back of his own goal. 4-0. That's how it finishes. Canada win and Canada are through to Qatar. They're, they're the story of this qualifying uh, round, this qualifying cycle. This team had to play preliminary matches to get into this octagonal, okay? They were one of two teams to come in through the octagonal. Canada just barely made it in, and now they won the octagonal. I said this a, last summer. This wasn't quite a year ago. It was in the summer. It's funny how quickly we played this octagonal, how quickly we've played 14 matches, because in a, in a calendar span, it's been very crammed. But in the Gold Cup last summer, I said that Canada were the best Football playing team at the Gold Cup. They didn't win it. The United States won it, and rightfully so. But Canada's football was spectacular, and um, you know Canada's it was it was spectacular. And shout out there, Cynthia says snow equals Canadian confetti. Yes, it does. They were they were the best team at the Gold Cup. Okay, they played the best football. They got robbed against Mexico. Let's call it what it was in the semifinals. They were robbed. They were playing in Dallas in front of eighty thousand, ninety thousand. I don't know how many. Uh, Mexico fans, and they were robbed, and 
you know, they would have been in the final. It should have been a U.S.-Canada final. It wasn't because CONCACAF wants the money. They want to fill the stadium. They want that U.S.-Mexico in a heavily um, – he in a city with a heavy Mexican-American population. That's what that's the formula that CONCACAF loves for the Gold Cup. Otherwise, Canada would have been in that final. Um, they're CONCACAF's best team right now. There's no question about it. And uh, they're the most cohesive team by far. There isn't even a question. You look at the problems everyone else has happened. Canada's not having that problem. They um, more than deserve this. They've won the, the octagonal. Congratulations to Canada. Uh, it was it has been a pleasure to watch them play through this this process through these thirteen matches. And I wouldn't want to be one of the European or South American seeded teams that's going to draw Canada in their group at Qatar because they're going to surprise you. They're going to be underrated and they're going to surprise you. Uh, hopefully Jonathan Davies is, sorry, Alfonso Davies is, is healthy for the world cup. He's got, you know, his health issues going on, but we're hoping to see him back the way we know him, the way we remember him. This Canadian team can be scary. They can be scary for anybody that takes them lightly. So I'm going to issue that warning from here that they better, they better, uh, they better be ready to take on a real team uh mario here in the chat is saying he just got home a bit ago he was at the game today congratulations mario you guys deserve it um it was it was a joy to sit there and watch that game the only thing was i put my money on the under and the two and a half goals and and it i was eight minutes from that but it, it was great it was great and he's also saying that there was a great presentation after the match uh the full the full stadium stayed for over 30 minutes. That's fantastic to hear. I've said this before. I My first impression of Canadian soccer was what, almost 10 years ago now when I was working with Boston Victory. We traveled to play Ottawa Fury, okay, up in Ottawa. And everyone, we arrived in the city and there was already a fan presence for that team. We, and everyone knew who we were. We were walk, taking our morning walk down the street and we're getting, we're getting heckled by fans. It, it was fantastic. Um, there was a great atmosphere. They had great, great facilities there at the Algonquin University in, uh, in, in Ottawa. And we were treated world top class by them. And I, I couldn't put my finger at that time why Canada wasn't a bigger player in CONCACAF. They seem to have gotten it together. Whatever it was that was, that was um, holding them back, they seem, to have, they seem to have resolved it. I mean, this team is just playing a great, an exciting brand of football. It's fast, it's powerful, but they have the technique as well. Cynthia says that Fonzie did say that he is still being monitored by the doctors and that he may play on April 2nd if he's cleared. That is great news to hear. Um, for me, he's the best player in CONCACAF uh, at the moment. Uh, he would have been, I don't know that they give the award out or not, but he he is the CONCACAF player of the year for 2021, no doubt about it. Um and in 2020, he was very good as well, winning the Champions League with Bayern Munich, no question. Uh, I, I I hope to see him at full strength by the time we get to Qatar because he deserves to be there. And, uh, yeah, they're talking about his Twitch streams. I have seen the Twitch streams also for for for, for Afonso Davies, and he really, he really pulls for his team. It's fun to watch. And uh, you can see how much this means to him and to the rest of the team. You can see the tears on, on their eyes. You see Jonathan Osorio at the end of the match with tears in his eyes. This means a lot to him. I just mentioned a little while. Atiba Hutchinson's been playing for two decades at the top 
at the top uh, level. And finally, here at the tail end of his career, Atiba Hutchinson is going to be going to the World Cup. And um, best goals for, best goals against in Canada. Yeah, Cynthia saying that in the chat. And it's true that they, they were top-notch from start to finish. Um, right now, the best team in CONCACAF, the, the, the numbers don't lie. Uh, over the space of these 13, soon to be 14 games. They're going to finish on top no matter what happens in the next round. And they deserve it. That's the. It's as simple as that. They deserve it. Um, I noticed, again, Oshtakio was very, very good today. And uh, the ovation he got, you know, in the, the 70th minute when he came off. Ever since he's come into this team, too, I mean – Mario and Cynthia can probably speak better than I can about this because they've seen them more. But I feel like ever since he was injected into this team, it was almost like he was that missing piece. He became that link-up player that all of these talented attackers were, were looking for that they needed. And it just it, it just clicked as soon as he came into that team. And you saw it at the Gold Cup. It was very early. I think he had just joined. And it was still very early. But you could see that this team was going to be this team was going to be a factor in this CONCACAF uh, qualifying. They hadn't even qualified for the octagonal yet at that point. They were going to have to go through the qualifying stages, the preliminary stages. And the first time I got a real good look at them in terms of World Cup qualifying was I watched their two matches against Haiti to get into the octagonal. And, you know, they were light years better than Haiti. And a lot of pundits, you know, down here in the States had Haiti up there with, with you know, the saying that they belonged in the the hex as it was back then saying that they were one of the top six and, and Canada took Haiti out. And from there, they just continued to, to do it. The first match day, I think didn't go their way. They played well, but they got a little bit of a disappointing result. I think they drew with, with Honduras, if I'm not mistaken in the first match, but from there, they just kept finding their rhythm, finding their rhythm. The, the, the manager, John Herdman just kept making things happen. And, just such a cohesive team and you know they're they just came together so well in this 14 game or well, 13 so far game journey but they are such a team they as as mario saying there in the chat that they the key word is team the squad is working together and having such outstanding synergy and it's true we can you it comes through the television even you don't even have to be in the stadium to see it it comes through the television that this team is just so united and there's they work for each other they sacrifice for each other the goals come from who gets the goals there isn't there isn't this notion that someone that it has to be Jonathan David or it has to be Kyle Lahren or it has to be Lucas Cavallini or it has to be you know Alfonso Davies the goals came organically in this team and whoever was in the position to put them away was the one to put them away and I think that they have raised the level of CONCACAF very, very high in this in this cycle. And think back to the fact that we were, you know, this cycle was delayed by COVID. Um, had this been a normal cycle, I don't know what it would have looked like because this team's definitely peaking at the right time. Had qualification ended a year ago, this because we would have played this uh, we would have played this past summer. Uh, had qualification. No, we would have played the World Cup this coming summer. So qualification would have ended back in November. So maybe that timing wasn't even that bad. But they went into these 
windows of three matches, okay, three matches in, in eight days or whatever, nine, ten days, whatever the windows are, and they're the only team not complaining. They're the only team that you don't hear the coach making excuses. When they had to rotate the squad, they did. When when they had to keep the guys on, they did. If guys had to log extra minutes, they logged them. There was no excuses made by anybody in this Canada setup. They just came in um, and they and they made it happen. You know, they I believe they're the only ones to take nine points from any three day match window. Okay, any three match uh, international window. They were the only ones to win all three matches in the window. And I, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. And I'm excited, not just for the World Cup coming in November, but the 2023 Gold Cup is going to be a much better tournament now. It's going to be more competitive. This team is for real. And we also have the the CONCACAF Nations League coming up. It there There is silverware in the future for this Canadian team. And uh, it's very exciting. And to be down here in the States and to see it from a distance, it's also very exciting. And again, I, I think... This was really needed in CONCACAF to someone to break this two-team duopoly of USA-Mexico because Mexico on the flip side, you're seeing um, they're suffering the fruits of their labor because they have gotten away from football in Mexico. Mexican, The Mexican Federation has been doing business with Soccer United Marketing now for a long time. They hardly play any games in Mexico. It shows because their stadiums are more and more empty for the national team. The people don't believe in their team. The, the team is not playing well. Um, the players are not coming through anymore. There seems to be a, a, a talent problem in the supply chain for Mexican players. And as Canada is ascending, Mexico is descending. And I remember saying that I think we're finally going to have a big three in, in CONCACAF. We're finally going to break with the two. And we're going to have a real a legitimate big three. I know the United States missed the World Cup four years ago. But... They were still, they're still one of the big two, okay? And that was shown when, when Nations League and when Gold Cup comes up. But now with Canada being strong, a strong Canada really raises the profile of this region because it's not just a strong nation on the pitch. This is a strong country in terms of media, in terms of GDP. And uh, they're a very marketable team, as you can see. I mean... Uh, They've got they have converted this hockey country into a football, you know, country. They they've caught the attention of those that usually hate this sport. And they've, you know, galvanized. They've galvanized, you know, the, the Canadian people behind this team. And I think it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing come November when they're playing in the World Cup. Even today, the the famous MMA. Uh, reporter Ariel Halwani, who's Canadian, uh, originally from Montreal, he um, he tweeted a picture of the gold of the gold of the World Cup, and he said, "How about that? Or isn't she lovely? Something like that." Even our Ariel Halwani is in on this Canadian national team. So, congratulations to Canada; they have booked their ticket. United States, very very close. I mean, all but mathematically in. Um, holding a very large goal difference uh, lead over over Costa Rica at this time. They got it done tonight, too. I said they were going to get this done. U.S. fan base is still traumatized, like I said, 
from what happened five years ago in Trinidad. Um, and it really was a perfect storm of things going wrong. And that's what it took to get them to fail to qualify. However, um, this time around, they got the job done. They got things, they did what they had to do. And you can, you know, the fans can hate on Greg Berhalter all they want, but this guy brought in a huge, I mean, he, he's using a huge roster. Okay. Large, large rotations. He's used at least three goalkeepers. <laughs> Excuse me. He's used at least three goalkeepers. He's been missing somebody in every window. If Pulisic is hurt, if he's not hurt, it's 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 Reina. If Reina's not hurt, it's McKinney. That's where we stand right now with no Weston McKinney. Tonight, Burhalter goes with Zach Steffen in goal. Um, you know, Matt Turner obviously injured, so he is not an option, but I think it was always going to be Steph, uh, Zach Steffen's job. But Zach Steffen needs to get on a team where he's going to play day in and day out uh, next season because from August to November, he needs to be in top form. Shaq Moore gets the start tonight at right back. Uh, Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson start as the center back pairing with Anthony Robinson playing down the left. Three-man midfield anchored by Tyler Adams of, of uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, Janus Musa is on his right and Luca Della Torre to his left up front. Jesus Ferreira gets the start tonight. A little bit of a surprise. Um, many expecting expecting Ricardo Pepe to get that spot. But Jesus Ferreira gets the start tonight at the striker. He's got Paul Areola to his right and Christian Pulisic to his left. The one bet I got right today was when I said to take Pulisic to score because Pulisic scores in big games. And after missing in Mexico City on Thursday, you knew he was going to have to make up for it tonight. Uh, he does this with Chelsea too. In the big games, he gets it done. Whether it's Champions League, FA Cup, you name it, he gets it done. Um, and tonight he comes in with the hat trick. So obviously this was this was a big night for Christian Pulisic. I said he was going to score. They were actually giving odds of like 7-2 to two that Pulisic would score the first goal, and he did. So anyone who took that one made out. Um, Ariola gets the start in place of Giovanni Reina here. Again, noticeable by the absence is Juventus' Weston McKinney, who for me is the best player on this U.S. team, the most crucial player, and he needs to be healthy. He needs to be healthy in November when we get to Qatar. And I'm, of course, saying this, you know, assuming the United States does not lose by six to Costa Rica in the next round. Um, any other, any results other than that or worse, you know, um, the United States goes to the World Cup so long as they don't lose by six or more. Uh, and Ariola turned out to be, he's another player that U.S. fan base just does not like. Um there's a real elitism among U.S. fans, and, and a lot of U.S. fans are not fans of me, as, as you can probably imagine. But I look at this team, and I see the growth. I see the process. This is a young team. This is a team that could be completely intact come 2026, which is the real target for this team, is 2026. And most U.S. fans cannot put that through their skulls. They cannot get over what happened, okay? That in Trinidad was five years ago. It has to stay in the past. 
And this thing of just criticizing the manager about every single little management decision by people who may know the game but have never had to, to take on a World Cup qualifying campaign like this one where you have, again, uh, windows of three matches in nine days or something like that. You cannot run the same 11 every single game. And Greg Berhalter does a good job here of rotating them. He does a good job of just keeping the team as fresh as possible and as healthy as possible. <laughs> um, always missing somebody, like I said. You, you can fault him for the loss in Panama. Tonight he made up for it. All right. Uh, the first one, uh, let's go to Panama's, um, Panama's lineup. Meja in goal, Morillo, Escobar, Andrade, and Davis across the back. Carasquilla and Godoy in the midfield. Godoy, I don't know how he stayed on the pitch. Um, he gave away two penalties, but managed only to see one yellow card. Gondola, uh, Quintero, and Barcenas, Barquenas, uh, are in midfield with, uh, Ronaldo Blackburn or Rolando Blackburn, excuse me, as the striker. Um, just domination in that first half. That first half, I I think it was Stuart Holden on the on the call for Fox said that that was maybe the best. Might have been John Strong actually who said it. That this was maybe the best forty five minutes of of. Uh, this was maybe the best 45 minutes the United States had put together in World Cup qualifying ever. Um, of course, fortuitous when you get when VAR intervenes and gives you a penalty kick, which it did, and uh, clear penalty. I mean, you can't complain about it. Panama lost their mind with it. You can't complain about that penalty call. You, you, you just can't do that. Like, I don't understand. When the referee goes to VAR and he looks at it, what are you going to dispute? I mean, it's on video. And then this weird thing where Jesus Ferreira is is holding the ball. And Jesus Ferreira is pretending like he's going to take the penalty. And I'm getting mad at this point because I got money on Pulisic to score. But give the ball to Christian. And next thing you know, then once the goalie sets up, he hands the ball to Christian Pulisic. Pulisic gets him going the wrong way on the first one. 1-0. One Six minutes later. A ball gets sent in over the top, <coughs> and uh, Pulisic gets in behind, gets the ball in the area. He's got his back to goal, starts dribbling out of the area. As soon as he gets out of the area, he gets taken down, and it was by – he gets taken down by Morillo. And the referee smartly plays advantage. He gives play on, and it ends up uh, on the foot of Anthony Robinson, and let, I can't even begin to say how – big of an impact Anthony Robinson has made since he has entered the fold for this team. Um, and he delivers a great cross right onto the head of Paul Ariola, a guy who's my height, five foot six, smallest guy on the pitch. Paul Ariola scores a perfect header into the far post two nil to the United States. Uh, excitement. I watched this one with, with my little man, with my six year old, uh, we watched both. We watched the Canada game together. We watched this one together today. He got a little more TV time than he usually gets, uh, given that it's World Cup qualifying. But he had to go to bed at halftime, so he went to bed at halftime with it uh, with it already four nil. But 
Uh, Jesus Ferrero would, would pick up a, a nice goal in the 27th. Again, the U.S. gets in behind. The ball gets driven across goal. The funny thing is you got a Panama defender almost on the touchline, almost on the end line. He's so deep in his own end. Putting his hand up for offside for a guy who's actually like in, that he's looking at in front of him. There's no way he's offside. Jesus Ferreira just slides it into the near post, and it's 3-0. And before before it can be over, uh, another penalty given to the United States. And uh, Stuart Holden thought it was soft. You still can't do that. You cannot put your hands down on a player and use that player for leverage to jump higher, which is exactly what happened. It's exactly what Anibal Godoy did. And again, I don't know how he stayed on the pitch, but he gets a hold of it. I think it was Miles Robinson, and he just pulls him down. And you can't do that. It's not a lot of force, no, but you, you cannot use someone else to lift yourself up. And he he does that. The referee points to the spot without hesitation. Um, and they do the same thing again where Jesus Ferreira holds the ball, then hands it to Pulisic. Christian steps up. This time, the goalkeeper guesses the right way, but the penalty kick is so well taken, it's still in the net. It's 4-0. And I'm thinking, uh, there goes there goes my my other bet for the U.S. to win both halves because uh, with with the 4-0 lead, you only expect that uh, there'll be some complacency. But they go into half into halftime with that lead. Gio Reyna replaces Paul Ariola, and Kellen Acosta replaces Giannis Musa at halftime. Panama make their own substitutions. Gabriel Torres comes on for Rolando Blackburn. Victor Medina replaces Edgar Barquenas. And Jose Luis Rodriguez replaces Freddy Gondola. Uh, Aaron Long would come in in the 64th as for the United States, replacing Miles Robinson, while Christian Martinez replaces uh, Karaskija. And in the 65th, I thought I finally won my, my bet for the day uh, when Christian Pulisic made it 5-0 and put the United States ahead in the second half. Um very nice goal. His best, obviously his best one because it was from open play, but a very good night for Christian Pulisic, a man of the match performance. However, things got a little bit, they got a little bit uh, complacent after that, but we did get to see Jordan Morris and Gianluca Busio come in. Uh, Busio playing his football, as you know, for Venezia now in, in the Serie A, former Sporting Kansas City youth product, replaces Pulisic while Morris replaces Tyler Adams. But in the 86th minute, uh, a defensive lapse allows Annabel uh, Godoy to get a goal off a header, beating Zach Steffen and killing my bet and making me one for five today uh, at the sports book. But that would be it. The United States wins. They have uh, all three points after a five to one uh, victory. Look at the player ratings from FOTMOB. Christian Pulisic getting a 9.7 in this one. Some other highlights. Paul Ariola 8.5 in a half a game. That's also a very good result uh, or a very good uh, rating for him. Some of the lesser ratings, Zach Steffen with a 5.8. Yeah, in, in the, wasn't his best game. He had a few miscues and uh, was really lucky, actually, that Panama didn't take the lead because he, he had misplayed one early. But he made another... Nice save after he had misplayed a ball. He went up, ball went right through his hands, and and um, made some kind of 
<laughs> uh, Stuart Holden called it a, a yoga save when he, he basically made like a, a, a kick save, like an ice hockey goalie would do. He stretched his legs out kind of in that, in that hockey stance and made the save, but uh, was holding his hamstring a little bit after that. Um, so the United States and Canada are, well, Canada is in the United States looking close. Mario also says that cheering for Canada has been refreshing Finds the modern sport has a lot of negativity, even when teams win. And it's been a reminder to just enjoy the ride. And that is true. And I'm trying to enjoy the ride with the United States as well. But a big part of that is disconnecting from a lot of the United States fan base, unfortunately. I mean, they're great supporters. They get behind the team in the match. But between match days, the negativity is toxic. Everything is wrong. Um a lot of people just think they know everything and the social media gives a platform to everybody to say what they, what they think. And I mean, you take the good and the bad with, with, with free speech, but um, it's just, it's a lot of arguments that are not valid in my opinion. I mean, you don't see You don't see anybody going perfect in world cup qualifying. Um, Road games and World Cup qualifying are difficult, yes, but then this is the same fan base that makes excuses about going to Costa Rica, about going to Mexico, about going to Honduras, and how it's always so difficult. And, oh, you know, you hear the toxicity like Bruce Arena five years ago saying, I'd like to see the hotshot Europeans try to do this. Bruce Arena has never taken a team into Bosnia in, in, in November when it's cold and when the crowd is, is absolutely hostile. And they're trying to tip your bus over on the way in. So that that difficulty in playing on the road exists everywhere in every confederation. Same thing in South America. And imagine being a team in Africa, the hardest continent to qualify out of, no doubt about it. There are 10 teams right now buying for five spots. Many of those 10 teams are yet to lose a match in qualifying or before this round. And if they've lost, they've lost like one. Okay, these are 10 group winners. It is so hard to qualify out of Africa. Okay, so to think that it's somehow harder in, in CONCACAF, that's just not true. There's stories of, of um, and I'm trying to remember the team, I think it was Morocco that went to play at the DR Congo. And, the story, and as soon as the bus, you know, a mile after leaving the airport in Kinshasa, the both team buses break down simultaneously and then they get to hotels and the water doesn't work and the lights don't work and the air conditioning's broken. I mean, these kind of games happen everywhere. So again, um, us fans, just be happy for once. Enjoy the ride. Okay. Your team has done well. Stop putting so much value in the stylistic side of the game. Okay. Your team has done well. We're 13 matches through qualifying and only two losses. This this is one of the best qualifying runs in terms of wins and losses that this team has put together. Okay. Against a much better CONCACAF than what it was 12 years ago or eight years ago. Okay. Canada is better, obviously. Yeah, Mexico's not as good, but but Costa Rica's still there. Jamaica's better. Uh, you know, El Salvador is better. They're up and coming. 
These CONCACAF nations are getting stronger. Panama is hanging on and staying at a level. Okay, Costa, I said Costa Rica is playing, you know, hanging on to their, they're using older players, but they're maintaining their level. This is a tougher CONCACAF than it was 12 years ago. There's no doubt about that. And I think this is a very accomplished run for this team. And it was important for both these teams, both the United States and Canada, to have good runs in this qualifying campaign before they host the next World Cup. You never want to just make it because you're hosting. You want to know that you can make it. You know, you want to have made it before you're the host. And I think it's going to help both of these teams, not just in Qatar, but at the uh, World Cup in 2026 when it's here in North America. Okay, moving on now to the next match. Uh, this one went on just before the United States played. It was El Salvador playing Costa Rica. This one was played in San Salvador, and I'm bringing it up right now. It was played at the Cuscatlan Stadium, and we'll look at the lineups quickly. El Salvador starts with Gonzalez in goal, Tamacas, Dominguez, Villalobos and Larin across the back. Martinez and Landa Verde in the center of midfield. A double pivot behind Santa Maria, Enriquez, and Reyes. And Hill was the striker. He would pick up a goal, their goal in this one. They're, of course, coached by former U.S. international Hugo Perez. Uh, for Costa Rica, their living legend, Kaylor Navas, is the goalkeeper. Ricardo Fuller. Watson, Vargas, Calvo, and Oviedo across the back. They played with five across the back. That's right, 5-4-1 for, for Luis Suarez, the manager. Contreras, Borjas, Celso Borjas, Tejada, and Martinez across the midfield behind the striker, Joel Campbell. Um, again, there are players here that are approaching, if not already, in their 40s on this Costa Rica team. Brian Ruiz would come into this one. He just seems like he's been around forever. Um, and, you know, it, Costa Rica get on the board first. It's Anthony Contreras. Uh, one minute later, Christian Hill makes it 1-1. And then in stoppage time of the first half, it is it is the Leon striker. And by Leon, I mean the Mexican Leon, not the French Leon. Uh, Leon striker Joel Campbell, former Sporting Lisbon striker and Arsenal striker. He scores. He also played for Olympiacos. Uh, he gets the goal for Costa Rica, the goal that ends up putting them into fourth place and locking up a spot in that playoff at the very least against the winner of Oceana. Um, all the goals come in the first half. Ryan Ruiz comes on for Alonso Martinez in the 46th. Uh, Hugo Perez would send in Eric Zavaleta and Narciso Orgiana in the second half, uh, replacing Rumlo Bijalobos and Kevin Santamaria. But uh, in the end, it is Costa Rica, Los Ticos, getting all three points on the road in the Cuscatlan, a very difficult stadium to play in, the largest stadium in Central America. And it, it leaves, like I said, Costa Rica is going to play for their lives on, I think it's Wednesday night against the United States in San Jose. But win or lose, Costa Rica at the very least is going to go to the playoffs against uh, the winner of Oceania. We expect that to be New Zealand, but you never know. They're going to play the Solomon Islands in their final on Wednesday. By the time the teams kick off Wednesday night, they'll know who the Oceania representative will be. That playoff will take place in June. Um, 
from what I understand, the draw for the World Cup, though, is this coming Friday. Uh, I was watching the Mexico game, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute on on Universo, on NBC Universo, Spanish language NBC affiliate. And they had a promotion that this Friday morning, 1130 Eastern time is the World Cup draw, apparently. So I'll be watching that. Um, I'll be working, but I'll have it on. I'll be I mean, I'll be following it uh, through the various forms of social media. Uh, not all the places are are obviously um, going to be uh, clinched by Friday, so I'm assuming one of the balls in the pot will be the winner of that. They'll they'll just say winner of the playoff. Plus, you have another international playoff uh, in Europe, uh, where the group that, or I should say, the path is the word they call it that features Ukraine has been postponed to June. So um, giving Ukraine time to hopefully fill the team. And uh, so there'll be another team to come out of Europe as well. So I'm assuming that those those spots will just be left. There'll be a ball in the pot for those two spots, even though we don't know which teams will occupy them yet. Moving on now to Mexico and Honduras. San Pedro Sula in the Olimpico Metropolitano. Uh, Honduras last place right now, and uh, they're giving it what they've got, but they, you know, the stadium was completely empty. I'm not sure if that was, I'm assuming that was due to restrictions placed by the government. I can't imagine that uh, they wouldn't fill the house to try to eliminate Mexico or try to hurt Mexico's chances of qualifying, but um, Honduras would play in a 4-5-1. Lopez and goal, Santos, Pereira, Maldonado and Decas across the back. The five in midfield from right to left. Sacaza, Meja, Ariaga, Acosta, and Lopez with Tejada starting as the striker. Uh, it's a changed squad. Some of the names you're, you're not going to recognize. Some of the names you're used to seeing from, from Honduras are not there. But for Mexico, it's full-strength squad for Coach uh, for Tata Martino. Um you got you got Ochoa in goal, uh, Guillermo Memo and Ochoa. They're playing a 4-3-3. Okay, you got Sanchez playing at the right. Montez and Vasquez are the center backs with Artiaga as the left back. Now, the veterans in midfield tonight, uh, Edson Alvarez, for me, the best player on this Mexican team, most important player on this Mexican team, uh, the AFCIX midfielder, sits in front of the back four, anchoring. And distributing to his left, he's got Hector Herrera, soon to be of Houston Dynamo. And to his right, he <clears throat> to his right, he's got he's got Rodriguez. And in attack, Tecatito Corona down the right, uh, Harul Jimenez down the center, and Chucky Lozano down the left. Um, again, this was a difficult match for Mexico. Every match is difficult for Mexico right now. They're having such trouble scoring, such trouble finishing. Um, we've seen them try so many different people in these places. At some point, Tata Martino has to realize he needs these guys that he has outcasted, these guys that he's excommunicated from the team. He needs, he needs uh, Chicharito, okay? He needs, you know, Guardado. He needs this guy. I mean, I don't know what he's waiting for, you know. And it's it's just 
it looks frustrating to be a Mexico fan right now. And uh, as a U.S. fan, it's quite enjoyable. But they're they're really struggling, and their football is just not good right now. It's it, it's it's poor, and they're discon they're disjointed, they're disconnected. The passes are are choppy. There's 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 just so much sloppy play in this in this team. And and what imagine what a informed Carlos Bela could do for this Mexican team right now. But he's not there either. He's been outcasted by Tata Martino. And I admit I'm guilty of this too because I wanted Tata Martino to be the U.S. manager when he took the Mexico job. I wanted, And I think at the end, Berhalter is the better, the better coach than Tata Martino at this level with these players. Tata Martino has the impressive CV, the impressive resume. He's coached at Barcelona. He's from Argentina. He's, you know, he was... He, you know, tore MLS on fire with Atlanta United, but now he can't make it work with this group of players. And he, I think there's a stubbornness that he's not willing to break from. And in the end, you're getting really poor football. And you're having a Mexico team struggle to beat teams that they should be handling. And here, Brian says Mexico's a sleeping giant. They may come, al they may come alive at World. You're right. He, Brian's 100% right about that. They have done that before. They have struggled. Remember with with uh, Miguel Herrera managing them, they had to go to the playoff to beat New Zealand to get in. Uh, they they made it through CONCACAF by the skin of their teeth, and then they went to the World Cup and, and played well. They got to the round of 16. They always get to the round of 16, it seems. They are a team that uh, is chasing the ever-loose, what they call El Quinto Partido, the fifth match, because they want to get to the quarterfinals so bad. They've never gotten past the fourth match at the World Cup, and they really are 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 trying to do that. But the I say I think that goes for the whole World Cup, though, Brian. I think too many times everyone puts too much stock in how teams did in qualifying. Once you get there, it starts over. We saw uh, 2002 Brazil won the World Cup when they almost didn't qualify. They very narrowly qualified for the 2002 World Cup under Luis Felipe Scolari. And then they go to they go to Korea, Japan, and they win. They win the World Cup. We've seen that happen before also, um, where teams that barely get in end up being good. And teams that shine. How many times have we seen, uh, let's say, the Netherlands win all 10 qualifying games and then, you know, be ousted in the round of 16 at the World Cup? You can't put too much value in what's going on. And the World Cup's a long time from now. It's in November. And we, with Mexico, you never know who the manager's going to be. They could they could sack the manager the day after they qualify. It wouldn't be out of character for the FMF to do that. And uh, a new manager could, could do so. It's not unusual for there to be wholesale changes either when a new Mexican national team manager takes over and he brings in the guys he likes. And all of a sudden you have a different – you may have different names, but all of a sudden you have a team dynamic that's starting to work. And – as I've followed more and more Mexican football over the last couple of years, so players and these names become more familiar to me. Um, I agree with Brian that they're a sleeping giant. It's, it's, it's a matter of time, but right now they are just struggling. And I think it's, it's a disconnect between what, what Tata Martino wants and what these players either want or know how to give, what the, how they know how to play. Um, I think Tata has to has to meet them halfway somewhere and he has to implement some different 
tactics because it's it's just not working. They're just not meeting even close to their potential. There is so much talent in this Mexican team here. And the, there's a number of players not in this 11 that are very good. Okay, again, you talk about veterans like and Andres Guardado. You can talk about Diego Lainez. You can talk about, you know, the Carlos Velas and the Chicheritos that are still out there and could still help this team if they could mend that broken, that bridge, you know. Um, you look at, you just, you look at these guys, there's just, there's more to this team. You know, Rodrigo Funes Mori can't stop scoring for Monterrey. When he plays for L3, he he has the same trouble everyone else has. I honestly I think they gotta ditch these these alternate kits that they wear. They gotta go back to being who they are. They gotta rediscover their identity as L3. Green, white, red. That is who they are. Enough with this nonsense marketing and these these disgusting kits. They're doing the same thing as Real Madrid coming out in those black kits. Those things should be burned because they're struggling so badly. Um I think L3 needs to rediscover who they are. They need to rediscover that identity. Get back in those green kits. Those They had one of the best kits in all of world football um, in those three-color, you know, green, white, and, and red kits. And get back to being Mexico. Get back to 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 fighting. You know, si, si puede is their, is their battle cry. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. Si, si puede. But like this, no, no pueden. No, no pueden. Not like this. Um, the goal comes in this one. They credit it to Edson Alvarez, but the replays seem to look like it came off the head of the, of the Honduran defender um, after Edson Alvarez had had uh, gotten ahead to it. And I, again, I, I say this whenever I have the opportunity, whether it's here or recently on Mr. Benfica on my other podcast, I talk about how highly irate Edson Alvarez when we played against him because he's he's on Ajax. Um, he's such a key. The same way that Oshtakio is a key guy for Canada, Edson Alvarez is that guy for, for Mexico and Tyler Adams for the United States. That position there right in the, the middle of the park, it it is it is just so important in the modern game. And Brian's got another comment here in the in the chat and I'm going to put up on the screen. He says, if the USMNT leadership was completely devoted to the game and not profits, I agree. And I think Mexico has the same problem, Brian. I think Mexico has the same problem. They're doing too much business with, with soccer United marketing and they're playing all their friendlies in the United States and they're playing friendlies out of the international. It's all about profit and they don't have a, a cohesive team anymore. And it looks like the people in Mexico don't believe in this team. I mean, their attendance, in spite of in spite of of restrictions, I mean, there was no enthusiasm in the Azteca the other night. When have you ever seen the Azteca like that? And to be honest, the Azteca doesn't even look like this the football stadium it used to. They've added all these these this decor to it. They've got that Coca Cola lounge now in the stand in the corner. And you can't even see, you know, you can't see the, the fans in that corner of the, of the pitch. And, I mean, I think Mexican football in general has gotten too money hungry. And just like I think they're following the example of the United States, unfortunately. And it, it may play out that they they fall the same way. I mean, I think they're going to get to the World Cup because I think 
even in fourth, they win a playoff with New Zealand or the Solomon Islands. But but they're making the same mistakes the United States have made in the past and continue to make, uh, putting profit over development. Um, yeah, he, he Brian makes a great, great point there. And But I do, following Mexican football as closely as I've begun to the last two, three years, that trend is going on down there too. Um, their league did away with relegation, okay? Uh, the Mexican league, they did away with relegation. They say they're going to bring it back, but they probably never will. Um, they don't, they can't, they're afraid of losing an America, a Tigres or a Chivas to relegation. The two leagues are, you know, this league's cup thing is, is about profit only makes very little sense. Honestly, um, from a footballing standpoint, it just further diminishes the CONCACAF champions league. Uh, I think us soccer FMF, both thinking alike, they're they're and and you know they're offshooting leagues, Major League Soccer, Liga MX, um, very profit driven. Which you do need profit to fund the game, but but it's lacking that balance where the the footballing side is being neglected. And again, now we've seen the trend go the other way, where we have the Mexican Americans starting to defect, not because. You're starting to see them defect to Mexico because they have a harder time getting into the future for the United States rotation. When you see the young players the United States is putting on the pitch and you're a young Mexican-American and, and you look at L3 and they don't have the same level of guy in your position. You know, if they do, he's a lot older. Um, you know, I still think Jonathan Gonzalez made a mistake. Um, he may regret it. He may not. If he depends for his reasoning. But from a football sense, uh, he may have made it. But at the same time, we're pretty we're pretty solid in that position with with Kellen Acosta and with Tyler Adams. You know, um, I would love to have Jonathan Gonzalez in there as well. But he he chose Mexico and he played that one time. He got capped, and we haven't seen him play for Mexico in a meaningful game ever since. So it, it it's a great rivalry. But the thing is. The way World Cup qualifying is going to work in CONCACAF going forward is I don't think we're going to see those two teams. That rivalry, in terms of World Cup qualifying, ends here. But I think that maybe intensifies it more in Nations League and in Gold Cup. So um, this is a good opportunity for a real big reform in CONCACAF and try to get things more less profit-driven. And you know what? I honestly think CONCACAF is also completely profit-driven and not football-minded at all because just look they how we have a Gold Cup every two years and always in the United States and always where they can charge the most, okay? Always in Mexico, always plays in hotbeds of Mexican-American uh, cities with large NFL stadiums. That's the formula. For the for the Gold Cup with the United States playing their prelims in the MLS stadiums in the more breadbasket of the of the country, and moving their way towards a, a mega final between the always trying to make it so that it's the United States and Mexico in the final. In the end, that makes a lot of money, but it doesn't help anybody from a footballing standpoint. And um, I hope that someday we'll see a less corrupt Concacaf, and we'll see them put put football before profit. Um, but it's very hard. It's a very corrupt organization. Just logistically speaking, the way it's organized, you know, you have voting blocks of nations that 
provide nothing from a football sense, but because they're they vote together, they become the most powerful entity in CONCACAF and they put profit above all else. And then you you know, all this money gets dispersed, and then they say they don't have you know, they say they don't have facilities and don't have conditions for 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 VAR and CONCACAF qualifying like earlier in this in this stage. So one, something's got to give. And I hope to see some sort of reform in the organization of CONCACAF. OK, so Mexico win one nil. Let's look now at the table. Now that we're through, uh, we're through 13 rounds. Canada lead 28 points. Eight victories, four draws, one defeat, 23 goals, four, six against. United States, second, 25 points, seven victories, four draws, two defeats, 21 goals, four, eight against. And they have, like I said, 25 points ahead of Mexico by six goals right now on uh, on goal difference. Uh, Costa Rica uh, are three points back with 22 points. They have six victories, four defeats, th- sorry, four draws, three defeats, only 11 goals scored, eight allowed for Los Ticos, but 22 points. They're three points behind the United States, but like I said, they're, they got a goal difference of, of plus three versus the United States is plus 13. Um, again, uh, the only way the United States does not qualify for the World Cup later this week is by losing by six goals or more. Uh, Panama now eliminated. It's over for them. Uh, they have 18 points. The most they can get is 21. The playoff is no longer a possibility. Uh, five, five victories, three draws, five defeats, 16, four, 19 goals allowed. El Salvador in sixth. Um, they're in a rebuilding phase. I think they're happy just to get to the octagonal. And I think that they're happy, uh, to finish two places, uh, you know, to, Finish better than two other teams. Hugo Perez has said that the, the project continues, and they're continuing to look for talent here in the United States and elsewhere uh, that may be eligible to play for them. They end up with two victories, four draws, and seven defeats, ten points. Jamaica they had the toughest um, circumstances beyond their control than anybody else. They couldn't get their English-based players in due to travel restrictions for much of this. Um, because then they would have to quarantine before returning to the UK to, to return to their club teams. So Mikel Antonio only came in in the for sparingly in this in this uh, in this cycle. They finished with just one victory, five draws, and seven defeats in Honduras without a single victory in this octagonal. Four, 13 matches. I say finish. We're not finished yet. There's one more round to go. But um, Honduras, zero victories, four draws, n- nine defeats for four points. Looking ahead now to uh, the coming matches uh, Wednesday. It is Wednesday the 30th. Okay. These times are Eastern time, but it starts, and they're actually all going to kick off at 9.05 Eastern time. Costa Rica hosts the United States in San Jose. Jamaica host Honduras and Kingston. Mexico host El Salvador at the Azteca, I believe is where they're playing. Um, that's where they've played all their matches. And uh, Panama will host the already qualified Canada. So that game um, is very much a moot point at this point. Uh, Canada already has won the octagonal and due to their fantastic you know, goal difference. 
Um, I don't see how they don't win the octagonal. They have a they have a plus seventeen goal. I suppose if the United States wins by enough goals and Canada loses, then the United States can win the octagonal. But it really makes no difference at this point. Um, you know, you either qualify or you don't. That's really what it comes down to here. So uh, we'll see. I will be back later this week. All right. This is going to wrap it up for this episode 77. But the Parking the Bus podcast is now back. I'm going to be putting out more. I've got stuff in my life straightened out here. Uh, I had a lot going on, and I've, I've got some things straightened out. Uh, my professional life is is straightened out as well. I got a lot of work, but I do – um, I do have, you know, a schedule, uh, that I look to be keeping so I can keep putting out some content. I'm looking for help too, guys. Anybody listening, watching that, if you want to get involved in this, in this show, um, hit me up on Twitter, send me a direct message on Twitter at PTB underscore media. Okay. Um, or hit, hit me with an email at PTB media network at gmail.com. If you think you, if you want to provide analysis, I'm looking for people that can help me out because I need someone to keep an eye on European leagues. I'm looking for someone to keep an eye on South American leagues, someone to fill me in on MLS, Liga Mekis, stuff like that, and women's football as well because I want to I want to include them as well going forward. We do have a Euro this summer, uh, a women's Euro to, to keep up with. And um, if anybody's got any interest in, in being a part of this, just hit me up. Let me know what you can do. And maybe we can work something out. I'm I'm looking to build a team here so that we can we can put out more content. If you want to write, if you like to write versus talk, let me know. We can post articles on on uh, parkingthebusmedia.com. Okay, uh, the website's been a little bit uh, asleep, if you will. It's been idle for a while, and I'm paying the bill for it. So I want to get I want to get uh, content up there. So if you're anybody interested in any of those platforms in any of those uh, roles, just let me know. Let let's let's build a team here and let's make parking the bus you know grow. Let's make the PTV Media Network grow um, little by little, you know. And I I am still on my free time trying to devise a bit of a business plan for this to see how I'm going to keep this thing sustainable going forward. I've got some ideas, but um, if anybody if anybody has any knowledge in that area if anybody's got any aptitude um again i i'll take any kind of any kind of feedback um i'll be back i'm looking to be back wednesday okay Uh, i have some free time on wednesday i'll be working from home so i'll be getting some free time and we got european uh qualifying finals on tuesday and so i'm thinking on wednesday i can do a little bit of a european finals recap and a concacaf preview and then come back next weekend to review the rest of world cup qualifying and maybe get back into league action we got a lot going on the the europe the champions league quarterfinals are fast approaching so are the so are the um the europa league quarterfinals the europa conference quarterfinals the concacaf champions league's at its semifinals we're about to start the group stage of copa libertadores i love that competition uh so much to to talk about like i said later on in the year we got the women's euro We've got UEFA Nations League. We've got just so much football to talk about. Um, and Major League Soccer is just kicking off there about a month into their season. So, so much to talk about. Um, anybody that wants to contribute in any way, just let me know. Um, again, follow me on Twitter at 
PTB underscore media or follow the show, I should say. You can follow me directly, my, me personally, right there. You see my handle right on your screen. It's at Mike Agostino, at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And also um, follow me over at betterthan.vegas. I just started a channel there, or I, I just re restarted my channel there. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be giving betting advice there now regularly once or twice a week. I'm going to be giving you some, some, uh, soccer betting tips. So if you're into sports betting and you're into betting on soccer games, I'm going to be posting stuff over there. So, uh, if you're into that, go over to better than dot Vegas. Okay. And then search Mr. Benfica and you'll see my channel there. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode 77. Thank you for joining me tonight. For those of you watching live, thank you to Mario, Brian, and Cynthia for joining in the chat. And if you're listening on the podcast, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to give this podcast a five-star rating. They say that does something. More importantly, share the podcast if you like it. Just just put a link out. Tweet it. Facebook it. My, uh, not MySpace. So that's how old I am. Um, Instagram it. Whatever, whatever your method of sharing is. Put it up there. Uh, share it with people you think might like it, people that like football. And um, I hope to to grow this and continue to to give you a, a better show. Uh, this was episode 77, so we're still going. We're going. We're surviving. We've been here a little while, and we're surviving uh, little by little. But um, the season's about to get into full swing, so I'm excited. Thank you. This has been Parking the Bus. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustino, and I'll catch you next time here on the PTB Media Network. Thank you for joining, everybody. Have a good night.